Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. John Zaffis, our special guest, has more than 30 years of experience studying and investigating the paranormal. He has had the opportunity to work for and with his aunt and uncle, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And through the hands-on work and other investigators and clergy, he has obtained a great deal of knowledge and understanding of the paranormal and is considered, without a doubt, one of the most foremost authorities in the field today. He has worked extensively with both spiritualists and psychics concerning how their knowledge is used for channeling, reincarnation, or calling up uh, the spirits for information. He's got several books out, including When Spirits Speak, We Listen, Shadows of the Dark, Haunted by the Things You Love, Demon Haunted. His websites are all linked up at coasttocoastam.com. And John, welcome back, my friend. How have you been? I'm doing very, very good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. I miss our mutual friend, the late Rosemary Ellen Guidley. Oh, I miss her so much. You know, I, I, you know her and I bantering back and forth and uh, just talking about different things. But, uh, George, I don't know if we had discussed the last time or not, but I had in here to her uh, gin collection. Oh, really? Of, yes. Uh, she had about 20 or 30 pieces of uh, gin or gin that she did not, you know, uh, want to keep in the house. She had packed it up, and uh, she had given it to me. Uh, to, to this day, they're still packed up. I haven't unpacked them as of yet, but I thought that was, you know, a very nice thing of her to, um, you know, give me her collection of different statues and things. A great gesture. i, I got to tell you, John, every time she was on our program, she mentioned you in some capacity. Every yeah. time. She was just a marvelous lady. Yes, absolutely. I first, I first got to know her when I was doing my local show in St. Louis back in 1996. Mm-hmm. I was just looking for guests, paranormal guests. I was doing a local show, and I went to the um, bookstore, and I stumbled across a book, The Encyclopedia of Dreams, mm-hmm. by Rosemary Ellen Kiley. And we tracked yeah. her down, and we set her up as a guest. And she stayed our guest locally, and then we brought her on to Coast to Coast. I don't think she was doing Coast to Coast with Art Bell uh, until I came in, and then we brought her on as a guest, and she was just on all the time. Wrote a book with me called Talking to the Dead, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. she, she was just one of a kind. I, I, I miss her dearly. I, I wish if she reincarnated, we'd find out who that was and we'd get that person back on the air, you know? Oh, okay. that, that would be fantastic. That would be the first thing. Uh, if she did reincarnate into anybody, George, first thing would be I'd pick up the phone and she'd go, "Well, I'll go, whoa, you're back." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then she went fast once she got her affliction, didn't she? Yes. Yeah, I did. You know, uh, it was quite a, a battle that she had going on there. It went into remission. They went vacationing, and she came back, and unfortunately, they had found it in several other locations, and it just spread very, very quickly. How's her husband, Joe, doing? I haven't talked to him in a while. He is doing very well. I was with him uh, several months back. We just got together, and we were chit-chatting, going back and forth, and um, I said to, I said to Joe, I said, Joe, does she contact you? Do you know? He goes, John, she's always around, and I go, well, what do you mean? He goes, I've never moved anything. All her clothing, everything is still in place. And I was like, wow. I said, well, I said, next time you talk to her, tell her I haven't gotten any EVPs or haven't heard her <laughs> over the post box. I want to know what she's doing. 
We've, we, we've got a great guest named Karen Dahlman who deals with the Ouija board. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and Karen, yeah. Karen claims that Rosemary's contacted her through the Ouija board. Yes, yes, she was telling me at, at the last convention we were together at, yeah, yeah. Uh, Karen, and uh, she said that uh, she was going back and forth with her, and I said the same thing. I go, well, next time you're communicating with her, I tell her I want to know where she's been. <laughs> That's right. What was it like having Ed and Lorraine Warren as relatives? You know, it, I always looked at it when people would say that to me, George, and just go, I don't know. It was an, I had an uncle that chased ghosts. You know? So to, <laughs> yeah, so to me, it was really, you know, over the course of the years until, you know, after Ed had gone down and, you know, uh, things changed. And, you know, it, it was so different after that. But I think just gaining the knowledge and doing the different things, people never realized what they were really like behind the scenes. I mean, back in the day, you know, they'd be working on 10, 20 cases a week, you know, just being involved with them, going to the locations, and, you know, sometimes me going up there or delivering food or something that my mom had made for Ed and uh, jumping in the car and going off with them to go investigate and not coming back to the following day, I miss it. I really, really miss that. I miss just sitting down, uh, chit-chatting. Um, it's a different world today as far as, you know, paranormal investigating. You know, today we have thousands of paranormal groups and so many things. It's just a totally different world. Oh, they were giants, weren't they? Yes, they were. My yes, gosh. They were. I remember a lot of movies based on what they did and the, the things in uh your new book, of course, When Spirits Speak, We Listen. Tell me about that, and then we'll get into some of the other things. Sure. Uh, it's a unique way that Debbie and Larry had put the book together, writing up the different stories, talking about uh, communi- uh, communication with human spirit that can be causing a haunting. It doesn't mean that it could be negative. What, you, what to look for when children are having issues or something's happening. Again, we, the three of us can get together, we can go in, need to, you know, do what we need to do to investigate, to find out what's going on. But what's good about it is me going in as a demonologist, Debbie going in as a psychic medium, Larry goes in as our clergy, our priest. So we're able to basically look at everything and see what we could do while we're there, and we don't always necessarily have to keep going back and keep going back. Because I, I look at it more today, George, as the fact that, gee, you know, we know there's something out there. You know, how many more EVPs or, you know, psychic photographs are we going to collect? You know what I mean? For the, the newer people, yes, that's, that's a thrill. Today I look at it more like, okay, let's go in, let's see what we need to do, what we've got to do to help the people out. You know, is it a ghost? Is it a haunting? Is it a haunted item? Is it something on a negative level that we may have to be more involved with it, with several trips or something. But she had wrote it to the, to, to the fact of, you know, telling the story, a little bit of the history, what we were doing, how we did it, and if there was actually a conclusion with a little follow-up behind it. So I was very, you know, I had called her back when I was reading the manuscript, Debbie, and I said, you did a good job on this. <laughs> I love it. There was a movie that came out about eight years ago called The Conjuring, yes. based, based on that uh, very haunted house in Rhode Island, which I'm told is up for sale for $1.2 million. Did you hear that? 
Yes, yes. Jen and Corey own it. I'm very good friends with them. Uh, when they first purchased it from uh, Norma, uh, we had gone up there, and uh, basically everything was still intact. Um, it, it's, it, they're doing good, but it's taking its toll on them. Yeah. It's a lot of work doing that 24-7 with people coming in and out seven days a week. It's but, like a, it's a tourist attraction, isn't it? Basically, yes. Yes, so it, it's a lot of work. And very time-consuming trying to keep up on everything. So, again, you know, they've had it for two years now. And with the notoriety and everything that that house has, the amount of shows that it's been on, well, they just might get that $1.2 million. Yeah, that is. And will they continue? Who Do you think the new owners, whoever they may be, will continue it as a display home for the haunted people to come by and look at it? I do. I do, George, because it's such a... Um, I wouldn't want to live in it. Yeah, uh, no, I wouldn't either. Um, but the simple fact, that, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of activity in that house. And I've been there several times. And each time I go there, there's always something different that transpires, something that happens. So I kind of hope, I, I think uh, from what Jen and Corey have said, I was just with them a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, the next people that do end up purchasing it, they're hoping they keep the ghost tours going and the sleepovers and, you know, the other different uh, paranormal events that do take place on the property. What happened at that house, John, a long time ago? long time ago, it was uh, a case that Ed and Lorraine Warren investigated, and it was the Piron family. It was Roger and Al and the five little girls. Well, they had gone in to do an investigation, uh, and they were basically able to determine that there was a lot of paranormal activity that transpired in there. A lot of things were going on. Now, the original piece of property, George, was well over a 1,000 acres. So wow. Other, yes, it was a huge, huge piece of property, uh, or an estate, if you will. Uh, and it was a farmhouse. And, uh, again, uh, there's reported, you know, people that passed away in there naturally. Or there's reports of... So many different things. A person being hung in there, then there's a report of, uh, you know, an old hag, which I've witnessed a couple of times myself in there, uh, another spirit called Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's so much with that. And one thing that I, you know, I'm always curious with, as many times as I've been up there over the past several years, always different experiences. It's never, never the same thing. Never the same. Yeah, never the same. Do you get scared on some of these events that you go out to? It's not so much that I get scared as much as I get concerned. Uh, because a lot of times uh, folks, you know, they want to experience a chair levitating, flying across the room or something. Yeah. You know, and, and nine out of ten times those things don't happen. But you have to be careful if people are, you know, start provoking to a point that they can uh, cause that type of activity to occur. And a lot of times we don't know what people are involved with that um, while out there uh, socializing and doing some of these different events with. So my guard goes very high. I think today, George, after all these years, one thing that would really fascinate me is seeing a house lift up and start to spin around. Oh. <laughs> there isn't too much I haven't seen. Just like the head of the girl in The Exorcist, huh? Yeah, right. That's that, that, that would have been something. Was it Ed and Lorraine Warren that got you interested in the paranormal? 
Well, not actually. Uh, you know, we were, uh, myself and four of my other little cousins, we grew up. Ed's mom lived with us. My mom and Ed were twins. Uh-huh. So, uh, on the holidays, George, when Ed and Lorraine would come to visit, my uncle would always tell us ghost stories and everything, and we'd get the biggest kick out of it. And my grandmother always used to sit there and go, ah, that nonsense, that nonsense. And we used to just laugh and everything. But when I was 16, um, looked at the foot of my bed, seen a transparent figure, and it shook its head back and forth, went downstairs, told my mom, and she said, well, Johnny, did it say anything? I said, no, it just shook its head. She goes, well, Johnny, that was my father. Your grandpa. And I went, well, how do you know that? She goes, well, you were four when he passed, and he was very stern. And she said he would always shake his head back and forth. And a couple of days afterwards, my grandmother passed away. Well, George, that made me start to think about how, you know, so many people claim deceased loved ones are coming to them when they're nearing death. So at that point, you know, several weeks later, I was sitting down talking to Ed, and I was telling him, he turned and looked right at me, and he goes, you never believed me? I go, no, I thought you were just doing it. It was a quick way to make a buck. <laughs> but here we, here we are, you know, 40, I'll be hitting 49 years this that's November. Amazing. That's incredible. Be, being involved with this. So that that's what basically got me off and uh, running with getting involved with doing this stuff. And you are by far the world's expert in haunted objects. Well, I'm getting there. <laughs> You're there. You're there. Let me tell you. And wh- wh- why does a spirit attach itself to an object like whatever it could be? Well, th- I, one of the key elements I always look at, especially with older items, as we know many years ago, people didn't have a lot of money and they didn't have a lot of things. So if they purchase something, you know, so, uh, even if it was a little statue or something, that, that would mean so much to an individual or a, a special chair, you know, or a, t- a special tea kettle or something. So to me, a lot of times their energy can remain with an item. And the item can be, you know, passed around, sold in tax sales or so forth, and nothing could happen. Boom. One person can purchase it, and it can trigger the activity and can start to wreak havoc. And that's when a lot of times we have to take that step back and go, okay, you know, what is actually happening? Because they do believe it's more spirit energy attachment than it would be a spirit unless we were dealing with something, you know, that was done with a deliberate intent and purpose that, that, that it was sent towards that item. Was it Ed and Lorraine Warren that discovered Annabelle that... Uh... Oh, absolutely. Crazy little yeah. doll. Yes. I, you know, Annabelle, I can remember back still working, you know, when they first worked on that case, George, and that they had a very, very little tiny house. They got back in from doing the investigation. They had Annabelle, a Ouija board, and something else that was sitting alongside a chair in the living room because uh, they had invited us all up for dinner. And at that point in time, you know, I remember it, and uh, Lorraine goes, don't touch that, don't touch that. Oh. We just got done working on that case. And long and behold, today, Annabelle is one of the most famous haunted dolls there is out there. Amazing. Did Hollywood find Ed and Lorraine, or did they have an agent? How did that all work out for them? I got, there were so many people over the course of the years that... that <laughs> 
<coughs> excuse me, that worked with Ed and Lorraine. Um, to my uh, to my knowledge, I believe they were contacted, you know, uh, and tied in with Warner Brothers. But prior to that, there were several other, you know, companies that had done films uh, on them, like The Haunting in Connecticut, um, uh, The Devil in Connecticut. They were done by uh, other different companies too, because I can always remember that over the course of the years, just going up there. You know, they would be in meetings with this person or that person, and you know, um, I think the one thing that that I always sit back and look at anytime I go to see any of the Conjuring movies or anything, I go, it had to happen after Ed was gone because he tried so hard to get so many things off the ground. I even worked yeah. on a TV series with them, and we had filmed several episodes, but it never aired. It never the, it never came to light. Uh. Yeah. Yep. Nowadays, they'd have all kinds of things on the uh, on the air, wouldn't they? Oh, soup to nuts is on there today. You name it, and they have it on on TV. Yep. So again, you know, it's and I often sit back and wonder what they would think of that, George. Because That's a good point. yeah, the variety, the TV shows, the movies, the popularity with all the conventions out there today. I often wonder. I take that step back and go, I wonder what they would really think of that. Absolutely. And, of course, you've got a museum, don't you? Yes. Yes, it's a private museum. Um, looking, hopefully, somewhere down the road to get it into a location where I can get it opened up to the public. Uh, but, again, just been collecting and collecting over uh, so many years from so many different investigations. Got quite the piles in several of the areas in the museum. Are you still on the East Coast, Ed, uh, John? Yes. Yes, I'm still on the East Coast, and uh, that that's one of the biggest problems is uh, just like with the West Coast, everything's so expensive to try and purchase. So, <laughs> sure again, is. still looking, still searching, and one of these days I'll find that right location. Are you sure? Well, maybe Las Vegas for you, John. Well, uh, that, there's already competition out there, buddy. <laughs> Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.